Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, back with you after Scottish Cup semi-final weekend. Two games and about a million talking points. But when all is said and done, Celtic will meet Hearts in the Scottish Cup final for the first time since 1956. Yes, it's Craig Levine who stands between Celtic and the treble treble. Now that really would be a good laugh. It's been a great weekend for Hamilton, St Mirren and Dundee because they didn't lose or play <laughs> but it's been an even better weekend for our bro as they managed to make Dick Campbell the happiest man in Scotland Red Lichty's winger Danny Denham joins us later on the podcast plus we'll be taking a special look at the bottom of the championship it's April and half the league can go down in the studio we've got our very own treble there's me and our pair of football writers and Scottish football aficionados it's a bit too posh a word to use for you two, but we've got Kieran Canning and Anthony Joseph. How are you doing, guys? All right. Not yourself? bad. Yeah, very good. Lots of energy in that hello there. Ah, yes. <laughs> Proper uh, Scottish enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Good semi-final weekend to uh, look back on. Um, Anthony, I'm reliably informed you had your own cup semi-final. Yeah, yesterday. we did. Uh, I think JJ's mentioned it before that we both play in this London Supporters League. He plays for the Aberdeen team and then I Does play for... Does he play, though? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And uh, I played for London Scottish and we had a semi-final against Plymouth Argyle and it was quite a scrappy game but uh, Joe Boyle double and Paul Brennan goal and we're in the final against Man City. Oh my goodness. We play in the full Scotland kits as well. So Do you? Scotland, so are, Scotland are in a final. London, oh my God. <laughs> you, genuinely hand on heart, would you have done a better job in Kazakhstan than the real team? Probably, this, this team. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to get away from the stage? Oh, what you gotta say Cause I got what you need to come with me and take a ride that's Scotland and Kilmarnock right back Stephen O'Donnell um, And a little teaser of Carpool Kellyoke Coming to your ears soon That's Stephen singing about The Greatest Showman It's not bad When you say coming to our ears soon Does that mean we're going to be subjected to more of it? I, I think so I don't know if it's going to be just Stephen O'Donnell Who I actually think has got quite a nice voice I don't think he's going to be on Broadway anytime soon No But no. Maybe the uh, the Kelly version. I look forward to seeing uh, Chris Boyd doing it. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon he might run out of breath halfway what, what, through. What do you think he'll sing? <laughs> well, the best thing about this is actually the 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 guy who's driving the car. I, I don't know his name. He's obviously involved at Kelly, but he's desperate to join in. <laughs> but he clearly doesn't know the words. They're also in a driving in a left-hand drive car. I don't know how they managed to get their hands on I one of those. Spot that. That's really weird. That's the biggest European signing Kamarok I've had for years. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> What's your favourite musical then? Ooh, probably We Will Rock You. I've seen it twice. Really? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of rock music or Queen, but it was a really good show. Yeah. yeah West End shows. Kieran. Uh, Lame is. Really? Reminds me of growing up near <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> Fair play. I'm going to go Jersey Boys because, um, well, I had to go because my mum wanted to go four times. Nice turn by James Forrest. Oh! A goal that lights up the semi final from James Forrest. The treble treble is still alive for Celtic after victory over Aberdeen in their Scottish Cup semi-final at Hampden. 
three goals for Celtic, four red cards for Aberdeen. That's two players, manager Derek McInnes and assistant Tony Doherty got the boot. My usual partner in crime, JJ Bull, isn't here. Uh, he's gone full-on Skywalker and is on a mountain wearing a hooded robe. Yeah, he's, he's a bit... Yeah, he's in a bad way. But producer Charlie caught up with him earlier today for his hot take on the second semi-final. Aberdeen got absolutely pumped by a much better team. The whole thing sort of ruined when Don Ball was sent off for a second yellow. The first booking was quite harsh. I think there'll be certain other players on the pitch who definitely wouldn't have got booked for that there. One of them captains the opposition side. I mean, that is tinfoil hat stuff, but it's, you know, it happened. And then, uh, then Don Ball has absolutely no control of where he's going when he clatters into Christie. He's just going into challenge. It's quite Sunday league. And then with 10 men, there was just absolutely no chance of ever getting back into it. Aberdeen have been good this season in Glasgow. They seem to have figured out how to play against teams when they're there. But when it comes down to like the big the big games, it just falls apart. But then it's a really young team. Like The centre midfield was a 19-year-old and an 18-year-old. Once it got to a man down and a goal down, did Aberdeen lose their heads? I think... <laughs> I think it's as much like the supporters, they just sort of knew it's inevitability that once ball's gone, you're like, oh, okay, well, now we just can't possibly do anything. There's no way we're going to be hold because they're marking man to man. So when you're going man to man, you need 11 players on the pitch, clearly, or you can't do it. You've always got, they've always got an overload, they've always got an extra man. So that's McInnes' whole game plan is just gone. To say they lost their heads, I, I don't know. It's really hard to say, isn't it? Because it looked like they had a plan, it didn't work. Man down and then a wonder goal and that's it done. You sort of allude to a sense of helplessness there. What next for Derek McInnes? What's the next step for him at Aberdeen, if it is at Aberdeen? The thing is, he's got a good job there and he's got job security to an extent. Rangers were always going to come back because they spend far more money. They're just It's inevitable that they would finish probably higher. Maybe that's a little um, defeatist. But I think when you... There's only so much you can do. Like Aberdeen have finished second the last few seasons in a row. It's not going to happen this time. Rangers are going to be back sitting there. The only thing that Aberdeen can really win is the cup competitions, which is what McInnes has been saying for the last few years. There's no money really to invest in players who can take Aberdeen to that next level. So the best thing to do is invest in youth. He's been doing that. It's a really young team. It's coming together quite well, but that will take time you know, to truly come together. McInnes, where does he go next? I don't know. He's got a good CV, so if he were to leave Aberdeen, the best manager probably available that could come in would be <laughs> Derek McInnes. So I don't know what he does next. The fact that he was sent off for reacting to sectarian stuff is really interesting as well. I'm sure everyone else in the studio will be talking about that a wee bit. For the second Celtic v Aberdeen game in a row at Hamden, we had a sickening head injury and controversy surrounding Don Ball. Ball sent off for a second yellow card after 36 minutes with the score at 0-0. It was a 50-50 though, wasn't it? 50-50 chance of Ryan Christie ended up in the hospital or not. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Well, do I, you I think, think it's, it's the one complaint Aberdeen could have about it, which McInnes touched on after the game, was that it was similar to the Boyata, Mackay, Stephen yeah. clash in the League Cup final. And I think... The right decision was reached yesterday. I think it was a second yellow card because it's, it's that reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we saw the, the consequences for Christie being stretched off and yeah. probably, I mean, Lennon's hopeful that he's going to be fit for the cup final, but that would mean probably missing the rest of the league season. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen will be a bit harshly done by in the league cup final when, you know, it could have been a penalty if, when Bayata 
smashed into Mackay Steven, but I don't think they can have really any complaints yesterday in terms of the, the sendings off. Can they complain about the first yellow card, though, on th- Don Ball, perhaps? Um, for that particular challenge on Hayes, yes, mm-hmm. but I think it was for a series of challenges. He'd made a few fouls, and I think the ref was just like, no, that's it, enough. Because Aberdeen um, kind of came into this game trying to impose their physicality on Celtic quite early on. Well, I think yeah. from Aberdeen's point of view, the most disappointing thing would be how they started. Although they got to about 35, 36 minutes when, sure. when Ball was sent off. Coming into this game, we talked about it last weekend, that this was Aberdeen's best chance to beat Celtic in one of these semi-finals or finals that they've played over the past few years, given the way Celtic had played in the, the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, drawing with Livingston only just beating Dundee, nearly messing up the Rangers game when they were a goal and a man up, mm-hmm. and how Aberdeen have done in Glasgow this season, I mean, largely against Rangers winning the Ibrox, winning the, the semi-final, but they also drew at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago, and it was only 1-0 uh-huh. at Celtic Park earlier in the season. And they just kind of sat off in the same way that they've played these games countless times, and it's not it's never worked for me. I don't really understand why they think that just sitting in is the best way. When we've seen teams have joy against Celtic this season but you need to go at them I mean Celtic's biggest weakness is their defence but if you just sit off them and never really test them then eventually they're going to break you down and that's pretty much how it, it went It did surprise me because Celtic came flying out the traps in the first like four or five minutes they had a few chances Simeonovic could have scored a couple Yeah where but... did that step over come from? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> you thought he was Virgil van Dijk right? <laughs> jo- Jozo Beckenbauer like, yeah. striding forward But um Aberdeen have done so well against Celtic in terms of nullifying them and also just making the game scrappy and mm-hmm. they've bullied them a couple of times this season and at Pataudry they were very unlucky when they, they lost 4-3 but uh, also the 0-0 game as well they, they just they seem to know how to play against Celtic again mm-hmm. but this was like the Aberdeen of old and, 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 uh, Aberdeen, Aberdeen have had this thing this season about not particularly playing well, but staying in games and hurting teams, yeah. maybe in the final final few uh, minutes. But, I mean, once this red card for Don Ball happened, it felt like Aberdeen just kind of knew what their fate was and James Forrest pops up with an absolute belter of a finish. It was so similar to the League Cup final in this, the sense that that day it was Mackay Stephen who had the, the sort of head injury, so there were six minutes added on and Celtic scored in that sort of first half stoppage time yeah. and it was the same yesterday but what a goal I mean I think Forrest over the past few weeks has probably overtaken Cal McGregor as as the prime candidate for player of the year awards mm-hmm. with so many sort of important either goals or assists like in the games yeah, as the well. goal against Rangers he set up the goal for Edward against the against Dundee he scored that great goal in the last round um, against Hibs in the last round of the, the cup Lennon's first game scored that goal in the the counter attack. So he's been like such an important player throughout the the course of the season. James Forrest has been involved in thirty seven goals this season for Celtic. It just shows shows you how important he is for Celtic this season. He scored some really good goals and important goals as well, and and for Scotland as well. He, his three goals got Scotland through in the UEFA Nations League. But he scored important goals in the European qualifiers, and he's turned into a very good player and yeah. he's putting that finishing touch on, on, on the back of his performance I think now. Salah's goal probably on Sunday kind of overshadowed it Nobody yeah, really but I, I, I think it's interesting um, I mean, even just this morning I was seeing that Moussa Dembele has been linked with Man United and how Forrest still hasn't really been linked with a big Premier League move which surprises me when I mean, you look at Ryan I know Ryan Fraser has 
proved it in the Premier League, but he's been linked with Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. And you look at what Forrest has done, um, as we're saying, for both Scotland and Celtic. I mean, he's done it for Celtic in the Champions League. Remember when Celtic played Bayern Munich last season, I think? And they absolutely tore David Alaba to shreds. Who played that ball through to yeah, Callum McGregor. Alaba's one of yeah. the world's best left backs and I think throughout the course of his career it's maybe been consistency that hasn't been there but that's certainly been there this season he either goes now or he probably won't ever get a move um, if he's it's 27 if, if he even wants to go like like you were saying if he's, if he's settled Lewis Ferguson has, has had a tremendous season for Aberdeen he's moved from Hamilton and he scored an absolute cracker um, against Burnley in the Europa League I just feel really disappointed that he's he's shown this side of himself really um, bad tackle on, on Tom Rogic and Craig Thompson right in front of it you kind of wonder what was going on in his head it was, it was so stupid it was not only two footed it was studs up as well and had Rogic's leg been planted in the ground mm-hmm. that could have broken his leg well, you and, can tell the intent. Yeah, but he's, uh-huh. he's, he, it was. You can. I think by this point it was already two 0 and Aberdeen's heads had kind of gone. I think that's the disappointing thing that Aberdeen have to kind of look at. That I think the ball sending off is the right right call, but with the first red card, you know the game's still in the balance. But after that, they kind of lose their heads. They give away an unnecessary penalty for the second goal. Doc set off at half time. Half time. I think the McInnes one's a bit different. We'll come on to it. But yeah, that was just really poor from Ferguson. It's just it's just a huge amount of frustration for the whole game. Aberdeen have been in this position before, um, and you just you feel like maybe that's just a culmination of that frustration. It's, it's also an end of an era. McInnes talked about this after the game that there's so many players there that aren't going to be there next season, and they can see that that game's gone. And really, I know they're going to be fighting for the third place in in the league, but you know there's there's going to be big changes there, and that was maybe their last big chance to, to win a trophy together and also they were without some big players as well so Gary Mackay Stephen Graham Shinney who was down at Derby just a week gone by so they know they're going to be losing players now again they were missing as well so it's a really difficult time for Derek McInnes going into the summer now knowing that he may finish what third this season which is probably a M- poor season maybe even fourth maybe even yeah. fourth so Here's another culmination. He gets sent off for reacting to Celtic fans singing sectarian songs, basically. What's your thoughts? It's, Did you see his reaction? Yeah, I saw his reaction. It was almost like a get it up you. Is that is that the way to describe that? You said that? you, get it up you. Yeah. Nobody says that. Get it up you. <laughs> I'm mellowed. <laughs> um, that that was the, the gesture. Yes. And I think players and managers, if they're getting that kind of abuse, should be allowed to react and... It's hard because in our workplace, we don't get abuse. I guess we sometimes do on Twitter and things like that, but we're not yeah. getting thousands of people shouting abuse at you. And it's very targeted abuse. It is Derek McInnes that they're shouting at. And I think players and managers should be allowed to react in some kind of way and they shouldn't be punished. I don't think he should receive any further punishment. I know he's come out and said it, it was wrong of him to react. Um, I think he's just trying to be the bigger man about it and uh, that that's fair enough to, to Derek McInnes but uh, I've got no issue if he if he's reacting to, to that I, I completely agree but I don't think he should even have been sent off in the touchline really. if as he said afterwards like the fourth official could easily have said to the referee yes he's done this give him a warning tell him not to rise to it mm-hmm. but because of the whole strict liability debate you're basically going to find out that McInnes gets punished for reacting to sectarian abuse and the guys that are singing it, nothing will happen to them, which kind of seems wrong. Oh. And it, and it's one of the things I was saying to you like, before we started recording, it really annoys me that how 
and this is nothing new, but how one-sided football fans are. So when McInnes is getting sent off and all the Celtic fans are loving it, but if you ask those same Celtic fans what they think about the treatment of Neil Lennon when he goes to Ibrox or particularly Tynecastle throughout his career, mm-hmm. they think it's disgusting. And that's that's it's right, you know, like yeah, it is disgusting, but it's the same if it's McInnes getting it from Celtic fans as it is from Lennon getting it from Hearts or Rangers fans. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about the football, but we should also mention it because otherwise people will just get away with it and think it's okay. So, shame. <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Jake Mulready, Hearts have reached their first Scottish Cup final in seven years. A first ever Scottish Cup final for Craig Levine. Three second half goals on Saturday at Hamden against Championship Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle were enough to secure a 3-0 victory. When you consider all the injuries they've suffered, a top six finish in a cup final is a pretty good season, don't you think? Definitely a good season for Hearts. Um, they've, they've had to put up with a lot this season um, off the field in terms of Lafferty going after starting so well uh, Berra's injury and now Naismith as well and they've they've just kept the machine going and I know they've, they've started to drop off a little bit but also Levine's um, health scare was, has got to take an impact on yeah. on the club and the players and the staff there but this was a huge game going into it they'd lost three of the last four games in the league and to Hibs at home and so the pressure was in Levine and for some reason there was a lot of murmurs in the heart support that maybe Levine isn't up to the job anymore or it's it's time for him to go and, and things like that so that this was this was huge and just getting to the final and with everything else that they've done this season I think it has it has been a good season for Hearts. John Robertson obviously manager of Inverness big Hearts man as well so it was quite a lot of interest going into this game but despite going 0-0 in uh, half time who pops up in the second half? Uchi Piezu scoring the opener. He is an absolute beast. <laughs> handful. <laughs> yeah, a handful. Yeah, I think, agreeing with what you guys were saying, we spoke about this last week after the Derby defeat, and has this been a good season or not for Hearts? And I, I said that I think this game would really be the, the turning point one way or the other, because if they had lost, then you could look at the way that they've tailed off in the league since the opening 10-11 games when they started really strongly and the disappointment losing to Celtic in the, the other semi-final. Mm-hmm. But just getting to the final, to have another you know, really big day out, and especially if we're talking about Iqbiazu, someone who's shown that he can cause Celtic problems. Now, he's not the sort of... He's very much a rough diamond rather than a, a, a polished one. Sometimes, you know, he's not the greatest touch, but he's so physically powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that in the, the opening goal, because he just almost kind of throws the Inverness guys out the way, barrels it into the net from uh, from close range. And he's got you know so much potential if he can bring in the other parts of his game, like holding the ball up. But I, I remember the, the goal that Lafferty scored to beat Celtic early in the season was all about Ikpiazu taking it down, running at defenders, mm-hmm. and he put the, the course in. Talking about that first goal, Hearts have got a really big bag of tricks, haven't they, from set pieces. And this one came off Jake Mulraney just... Starting off into space, Inverness, you know, reluctant to react as well. Um, and it was a good ball. Well, typically, Levine's side, you would say, in terms of how big and physical they are, so they're always going to have that sort of threat from set pieces. And you've got like Berra and Suter as well. But when we talk about like injuries, like 
both Suter and Nick Piazza were out for for long spells as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously at the moment, the big thing is whether they get Naismith back for the, the cup final because that can make a, like, a really big difference. I, mean, I would imagine he would have to be back for the last couple of league games as well just to kind of give him some game time because he's been out for so long. But yeah, after they went 1-0 up, they still had a few sort of dodgy moments. Ms. Lamal had a, a great save. Inverness had a goal disallowed for, for offside that Robertson wasn't overly happy with mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once they got the the second one through Suter, then then they were pretty comfortable. Yeah, John Robertson came out and said about that Bobby's Lamal save from Joe Chalmers. It was one of the best saves of the season. It's not often you see a two handed save from a keeper these days. It, it felt it? kind yeah. of old school, didn't yeah, it? Uh-huh. Like some you'd see in the eighties. But um, it was a great save. It's I still can't believe it from the low angle that they showed um, in the replays. It looks like it goes past his hand, but then it kind of still goes yeah. up. It's the it's the slightest of touches, mm-hmm. um, but it is total class. But what do you think about this this goal from uh, Inverness that was chopped off? Because it, it basically looks like it comes off of Mulroney's boot, right? Yeah. Do you think it's enough for it to be chopped off? For- I I think the goal should have stood, and I I thought it at the time as well, and I was I was surprised it wasn't picked up at the time until until later on. And it, it does look like it's Mulroney's sliding tackle that moves the ball and it fires across and to McCart. And what a finish, by the way. Do you think it was enough, though, to say that it should have stood? Do you think there's an, enough of a connection to say, oh, well... Yeah, I, th- I think most of it was the connection yeah. from, from Mulroney's. You can kind of see the force it, it goes. It just kind of whips in rather yeah. than... Uh, and, Unfortunately, we don't have all the camera angles in Scottish football that would, that, yeah, that would, that would allow us to properly tell whether it was Mulroney or Chalmers's pass. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it was Mulroney's sliding tackle that put him through. I tend to disagree. Yeah, I do. I kind of disagree. As much as there is the slightest of deflections, okay, VAR probably could have, um, you know, but, 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 the, the, but, well, yes and no because. The problem is no one knows what is offside anymore. I mean, there if, was if, if for instance, uh, the ball was whipped in and the Inverness player is offside already, and it then is deflected further up the field off the def- off the Hearts player and into Inverness, I'd kind of maybe go for it. Like, yeah, yeah okay, do, it can stand then. But do you not think Charmers would have gone down with the tackle if? If Mulroney didn't get the ball, I just think that he's directing the ball that direction anyway. So, if he's offside, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Am I totally wrong here? No, but that's what I mean. No one really knows about yeah. offside anymore. I mean, that Sterling, <laughs> that that Sterling goal against uh, Watford a couple of weeks ago, yeah. where it was like Aguero had chested it through to him and he was clearly offside, but because the defender went for it and got the slightest touch, it was deemed to be a good goal. Mm-hmm. When common sense sort of said that it was offside, this isn't even as egregious as that was, and yet it was given offside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John Suter with the second. What a season he's had, uh, despite his injury that he had this season as well, linked with Rangers. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that was his first goal as well of the season yeah. uh, for Hearts. But yeah, it was almost like a flying volley that he just threw himself at it. And yeah, it was a, a really good goal. And he's had a very good season. He, he's done well when he's played for Scotland as well. And apart from the sending off in Israel. Mm-hmm. But um, he's probably destined for bigger and better things. And obviously Hearts have got Craig Halkett for next season now they've signed him on a pre-contract so is that a sign that maybe Schutter might be on his way? Possibly I mean number of players that Rangers are linked with at the moment I think they're going to have about a squad of 50 but uh, we were talking about Hasty last week 
saying Jakey don't be hasty and he needed yeah. uh, he needed more game time whereas someone like Suter now is ready for that sort of step up whether he goes to to Rangers or to England or wherever because mm-hmm. he's, he's had that sort of plenty of years of experience playing with Dundee United and Hearts and I think he's really helped him having Berra next to him for like most of his time at Hearts as well because he's got that sort of older head that's coached him through and and with Levine being his manager as well who was a centre-half um, in his playing days so now nah, I think he's, he could be a, a really good player and hopefully for Scotland as well because we've badly needed centre-halves in yeah. the past few years So I mean just to touch on Inverness a little bit disappointment for them but I guess they can kind of focus on trying to get promotion by the playoffs so do you fancy their chances? It looks like Ross County are going to sew up the league Dundee United are challenging up there as well but Inverness could they get up via the playoffs? They, they could but I think it's always really difficult for the teams that finish third and fourth because yeah. they've got basically got to go through three sets of playoffs for those who don't know so like third and fourth in the championship play each other the winner plays whoever finishes second which will probably be Dundee United mm. whoever wins that then plays whoever finishes second bottom of the Premier League So Cup final Celtic went on a 69 game unbeaten run and it was ended by Hearts so could Hearts end Celtic's hopes of a treble treble quite possibly I think if there, there is a team to do it outside Rangers I guess it's you'd, you'd probably say Hearts because Celtic have struggled in recent times against Hearts um, but they've also had a few big wins as well but Ike Piazu is going to be a huge player for them because I don't think Celtic have know how to handle them they've tried Boyata they've tried Ayer they've tried Benkovic uh, up against Ike Piazu all this season and not one has had the better of them mm-hmm. it's just an absolute unit that no one can outmuscle him at all. And as long as you've got players like Mulraney, Ollie Lee, and players playing off him like that, ideally Naismith you wanted, even against in the first half against Inverness, you wanted Naismith playing. They've got a great chance, but with Celtic going for a treble-treble, I just I fancy Celtic to win that. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the big thing in Celtic's favour, Levine even spoke about after the game when he talked about Hamden being such a bigger pitch to Tynecastle and what they're used to. Yeah. And all of Hearts' good results against Celtic in recent years have been at, at Tyne Castle. So I think that certainly plays into to Celtic's favour. As I said before as well, we don't know if Naismith's going to be fit, which would be a, a big boost or a big blow, depending on how you look at it, depending on, on how it goes. Hearts haven't beaten Celtic outside of Tyne Castle since 2012. And can anyone remember what happened that day? Go on. Craig Beattie's celebration. <laughs> Craig Beattie, the former Celtic striker, up against Fraser Forster, finds the back of the net. And Hearts are back in front. Craig Beattie rips off the top and celebrates with the Hearts fans. It's a, a bugbear of mine, the the no celebration celebration against your old team, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly when it's, you know, the spent quite often it could be like you spent 20 minutes at a club and players still refuse to celebrate a goal <laughs> Craig Beatty came through the Celtic Academy Celtic gave him his you know path into the, into the football world probably made him a millionaire in the process as well and yet <laughs> he scored a last minute penalty against them in a Scottish Cup semi-final and set off on the longest run of his career <laughs> it was, it was taps off as well wasn't he off, showing, showing, off, his hair, let, showing let, off his hair and, and chest he, and he was no Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> I, he did have a wee bit of a belly yeah, kicking barrel going on. <laughs> Hairy chest and a dad board. Amazing. Well, who's going up? Who's going down? Here's Neil White with the best of the action from the Championship, League One and Two. 
let's start at the top of the championship where Ross County could be crowned champions this weekend. They drew 0-0 with Partick Thistle, which means a win on Friday night at air combined with anything other than a Dundee United victory the following day in Inverness would send County back to the Premier League. United are now just as close to confirming second spot after they came from a goal down to beat their nearest threat Air United last Friday, a goal each for Pavel Safranco and Paul McMullen. However, the real fun is at the bottom where four points cover five teams and after their fourth consecutive win 1-0 against Queen of the South, Aloha Athletic are now at the top of that scrap on 38 points. Some of the big moments for Aloha in recent weeks haven't been too pretty. Their latest winner came direct from a Stephen Hetherington corner, but if after 36 games, the league's only part-time team are still in the championship. It will be a singular achievement in Scottish football this season. Let's get into how that could happen. In seventh, Morton are two points behind Alloa, but have a game in hand. They play Inverness on Tuesday. In eighth, Queen of the South, for whom Stephen Dobie, or to give him his Sunday name, 40 gold, Stephen Dobie is likely out for the rest of the season. Falkirk moved up to ninth with a 1-0 win at Dunfermline and if they survive, they'll look back on this derby as a pivotal moment. Dunfermline hit the post, hit the bar and had a penalty saved by Harry Burgoyne before Davis Keeler Dunn won it for the Bairns. Partick Thistle then are bottom on 34 points with a game in hand on all of them bar Morton. League One and our broth are champions! The season-long leaders have been sauntering toward the line in recent weeks and put their big toe over it with a 1-1 win at Brecon. So let's talk about their 65-year-old manager, Dick Campbell. This marks the second time he's taken a team from the fourth tier to the second. He did it with Brecon at the start of the noughties. He's now done it with two league titles in three seasons at Arbroath. And he was one game away from doing the same at Forfa in between those stints. I can't think of a more successful manager at that level and Dick Campbell is pretty much the king of Angus forever at this point. In the playoffs, Montrose won at East Fife and moved above their vanquished opponent into fourth spot with three games to go. Montrose captain Paul Watson came off the bench to score both goals in a 2-0 win. At the bottom, Stennis Muir won at Airdrie and are now level with Brecon, both four points behind Dumbarton and Strenra, it's any two of those four. In League Two, the title race got some unanticipated CPR deep into injury time on Saturday. Smart Osadalore grabbed a point for Albion Rovers at Peterhead that slowed the leaders down and put a bit of daylight between Rovers and Berwick at the bottom. Meanwhile, Clyde scored twice in the last 10 minutes to win at Edinburgh City. So, Clyde are four points behind Peterhead with three games left but they do have a nice run-in and it might yet go the distance in League Two. As you just heard, our broth are back in the second tier for the first time in 17 years. A point at Brecon on Saturday confirming what everyone had known for months. The Lichties would be champions of League One. We're joined now by our broth winger and podcaster, Danny Denham. Danny, how was Saturday and... More importantly, how was your Saturday night? <laughs> Saturday was Saturday was superb. You say we had it we had it wrapped up for months, but it hasn't been feeling like that. We haven't been great recently, so it's just been getting getting over the line. And do you know the football itself, the spectacle was probably rubbish. It was absolutely it was in there most of the time, but 
as soon as the final whistle goes and the fans all ran the pitch and you know you, you've you've managed it was great and then as you say Saturday night as I'm still feeling the effects off as we <laughs> speak on the phone two days later forty hours later because it, it was just it was crazy you know we were out in, in Arbroath I didn't know there was that many Arbroath fans it was, uh, <laughs> that's brilliant there was some boys were crowd surfing you know there was. Uh, <laughs> There was we were up in the boardroom. The gaffer was giving it some renditions. I don't know what he was singing. He had a horrendous voice, but he was giving it uh, <laughs> some karaoke. And uh, we were, I, you know, I can't really remember anything from about one o'clock onwards. But um, I've been told it was good. It's been a great season, but over the last month, like you said, you just want to get it over the line. So just having it confirmed, what does it feel like to be going back up to the championship? It's at the moment, it's just it's just really come to terms with it because as you can imagine we haven't really I haven't really looked too much into it over the last forty hours or so. I've had I've been busy. So I've not really had the time just to sit back and and, and, and really just take it in because it's an incredible achievement. We're fourth or fifth favourites with the bookmakers at the start of the season and we've went on to, to win it and we've games to spare so we've got three games to go. We we need to dust ourselves down to be honest and uh, and get go get going because it's it's I mean we've got to be professional. There's other there's other things, other games teams riding on our results as well so we've got to keep ourselves grounded because there's still three games to go Dick Campbell described himself as the happiest man in Scotland on Saturday night if he remembers it given what you've said about <laughs> his, uh, his his post-match celebrations he doesn't usually strike us as the happiest kind of guy what's he like as a, as a manager? You know surprisingly he's he's got this reputation of being don't cross Dick Campbell and of course you don't cross Dick Campbell but he is happy he's a happy guy as long as you haven't been beat at a weekend, and he's 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 hilarious, he's charismatic, he's funny, he does like that side of things. And to be fair to him, he was he wasn't one of the the more inebriated ones on the side, and he was actually in control a bit more than everybody else. But he does get tired of that. So this Brad Brush that he's he's a scary character. And don't get me wrong, he is a scary character when you get on the wrong side of him. But he's he is he, he he's a really positive and he's a very charismatic guy. Uh, most of the time, yeah, he's he's you know he's he's won promotion many times, uh, and when he took over the Lechties, they were eighth in League Two, and now in the Championship. So it's something to look forward to. But how difficult will the challenge be? Um, a level up? Oh, it'll be, it'll be much harder. I mean, the games will be different. We won't have as much of the ball. It's, it's it's hard to tell. We'll need to bring in some players, and hopefully, I'm kept on next year. My contract's obviously out. Um, but it would it would be a lot harder. We'll have to work a lot harder. But then you've got teams. We saw how well Alloa are doing at the moment. They've worked so hard, and they're, I'm, I'm not saying they're safe, but there's a good chance that they will be safe. Um, so you've got to look at them as a blueprint, and you can look at teams like Breakin, who who didn't do so great of what not to do, I suppose. But it becomes a different game of football. Instead of having the ball, you're you're backs against the wall most of the time. But I don't think many teams will want to come up to Gayfield. You know, it's it's always windy. Every single day, so at Gayfield, so uh, I, I don't imagine many teams will be looking forward to coming to Gayfield, and you'll be able to get points off them there. I'd imagine. Was it quite sweet as well to kind of, you know, I know you've still got a few more games to go, but the season's kind of wrapped up for you guys now. How sweet was it to cap it off first? John Ritchie, who passed away, and obviously Dick Campbell was was happy to to dedicate it to him. Yeah, it's, it's a massive thing. John Ritchie was, I mean. Rest in peace. It was a, it was a year ago, around, around about a year ago that he, that he passed away. Sadly, and he was a he was a big part of um, the culture of the club. And he was an an angry man, but a lovely man. 
you would cross John Ritchie uh, at times, and he 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 had, he had a few choice words, but he was a he was a fantastic man. And when he passed away, we were also shocked. So this season was all um, a lot of our thought process was let's do it for for John Ritchie. And the gaffer always said this is the John Ritchie Championship, and he and he kept on saying it, and he kept on saying it. And you know we were all thinking about him on Saturday night, and uh, he'll he'll be dead proud of the boys and dead proud of the gaffer. That's awesome, man. Best of luck for your summer, and I hope you're kept on. What, what are you going to do? Like, you've got plenty of things in the pipeline, haven't you? Because your podcast and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in really, I'm really enjoying the podcast. We've had Mark McNulty. Uh, people were giving the kiss of death because he missed a sitter against San Marino the, the day before. Uh, but we've had we've had some big bigger names on it, and we've got obviously Bobby Lynn. So, so he's done great this year. He's been our, probably our best player, one of the best players in the lower league. So now I'm I'm really enjoying doing that at the moment and. I've three more weeks of football, and I'll be I'll be doing the podcast, and I'll be doing I'll be hopefully writing some more writing some more blogs and columns for the BBC, and just enjoying the break, you know. I think the the gaffer says that we can he's booked us up uh, for Magaluf. I think I'm a bit too old for Magaluf now, Whoa. but um, uh, he's he's taking all the boys to Magaluf, so um, I'll be going. I don't know. Just uh, write everything down. That'll be a good uh, TV show. Yeah. I think what, what from Arbroath to Magaluf. Magaluf. I don't think I'll be writing any of that down. <laughs> In the championship, it's anybody's guess as to who goes down and swaps places with Arbroath. Four points separate the bottom five. It was Falkirk who lifted themselves off the bottom with victory at Dunfermline on Saturday, and we're joined now by Craig Turnbull from the Falkirk Herald. Craig, one of the stories of this season was Ray McKinnon's move from Morton to Falkirk. He became Judas. <laughs> Just run our listeners by what happened for anybody that doesn't know. Well, the Ray McKinnon saga. Well, it's interesting. It's almost kind of stoked up a new rivalry between the two clubs, Falkirk and Morton. Never really had you know much of a kind of friction between the, between the two clubs, but this certainly has built up a new rivalry, as I said. So basically, Falkirk um, appointed Ray McKinnon uh, as boss at the end of August, and this was three months after uh, Ray McKinnon had joined Morton in the summer. Now, there was a lot of controversy surrounding this move. Morton was certainly unhappy uh, at Falkirk's approach. They accused Falkirk of essentially tapping up Ray McKinnon. Uh, Falkirk insisted the move was entirely above board, um, it eventually Morton report Falkirk to the SPFL. It goes to a, a tribunal hearing, and the, the result of that is that Falkirk are, are found they're found guilty of breaching two rules in relation to the appointment of McKinnon, uh, and they're fined sixty thousand pounds, twenty thousand of which is suspended. Um, since then, the feud has kind of died down. The clubs have tried to kind of smooth over that issue, and you know they've, they've reached an an amicable settlement. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really interesting you know, heading into this huge game for both sides uh, at the weekend. Of course, only you know, four points separating uh, the bottom five sides. And Morton, of course, a game in hand uh, at Inverness tomorrow, but um, it's, it's, it's going to be a thrilling finale. Yeah, so Falkirk against Morton this Saturday. What what are you expecting in the game? I think it will be a cagey affair. I don't think either side has been playing particularly great football of recent. Morton certainly haven't had their troubles to to find to, to find in front of goal. I think they've had uh, one win um, in in the last twelve games, and they don't really have a, a recognised goal scorer of such. And, and there's probably concern at Capital about the way things 
the way things are going there. From Falkirk's point of view, they got a morale boosting 1-0 win over Dunfermline last week. Um, it certainly wasn't convincing, um, but Falkirk managed to get the all-important three points, which has is, is given them a, a fighting chance heading into the, the last three games of the season. I think it'll be a very nervy occasion, and there'll, there'll only be maybe one goal in it, um, if, if at all. And certainly both sides will be uh, desperate to try and pick up the points. We're used to, obviously maybe not the past couple of seasons, but normally seeing Falkirk more pushing for promotion in, in the Championship. What's gone wrong over the past couple of years? And has McKinnon done a good job to sort of stabilise things and start to pull things around again? Yeah, it's interesting. I was trying to think of that earlier. Um, Falkirk are a side that traditionally um, would, would see themselves as certainly competing at the top end of the Championship and being in the kind of lower levels of the Premiership. They got relegated in, in 2010 from the Premiership and the goal has been uh, to get back into that top flight for the last nine years. Um, it certainly hasn't been um, easy because they've had to deal with the likes of Rangers, Hibs and Hearts being in the league at the same time. But, you know, given that, they were still reaching the playoffs and they were still, you know, very close to, to going up. They got beat against Kilmarnock in, in the final day of the, of the season. And that was a, a couple of years ago now. And they also reached the Scottish Cup final, got beat by Inverness. Since then, it, it's kind of been a, 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 a disappointing uh, few years for Falkirk. The last couple of years, they've been, well, last season, they were battling against relegation. And it was only really due to the fact that Weekend and Dumbarton uh, weren't good enough in the league that, that Falkirk managed to kind of survive. This season, they've not had that kind of um, luxury with any teams below them. I mean, Alawa, credit to them, they've, they're the part-time side and a lot of people probably, including myself, kind of expected them to maybe um, just kind of lose it towards the, uh, recent times, but they've managed to win the last four games and, and, and now in six, which is a phenomenal uh, mm-hmm. turnaround by Jim Goodwin. Um, in terms of, you know, with Falkirk playing themselves, it, it's difficult to pinpoint. I think there are a number of issues um, the turnover of players certainly hasn't helped. I think there's about 30 players or something that they've used this season. Um, the recruitment in the summer was abysmal. They brought in about 18 players under Paul Hartley. He then was in three, three games into the season. And then, you know, it's just been a case of, of trying to desperately kind of hold on to the coattails of, of the teams around them. And then Ray McKinnon's tried to put his own stamp on the team and he's brought in another 12 players in January. So it's just, there's no continuity at the club. I feel as though the club's kind of lost its identity a wee bit. It was always kind of renowned for bringing through young, quality, good, exciting players like Scott Arfield and, and, and Craig Sibbald and, and, and players players of that ilk, Conor McGrandles. But you know, since then, they've decided to scrap the academy for financial reasons. Since then, it's been a it's been a slippery slope for the club um, and they're really struggling to try and keep their, their championship status alive. How much of an impact would it be for Falkirk if they were relegated to League One? Because it was only 10 years ago they were in the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it doesn't seem that long ago and you know, let's be honest, any club that suffers relegation it's a huge blow for them. Um, I think last time Falkirk were in the, the third tier of Scottish football was uh, the late 70s early 80s so I feel like it would be on if you were talking about within the last two years it would be unthinkable for Falkirk to kind of be in this position certainly from the fans point of view they've always been important with promotion and, and you know reach the Scottish Cup finals as I said 
and you just have to look at clubs like you know Race Rovers. They're a side that you know in League One they've just missed out on automatic promotion. They'll still hope that they can get back in and in the, the playoffs but it's a club that you know went down I think a couple of years ago and they found it to go in difficult in, in League One and they've came out recently with a statement you know saying that the kind of finances are, are unsustainable from Falkirk's point of view again in terms of you know the players that are there that will uh, be next season they'll be unclear if they were to go down what kind of budget McKinnon would have uh, they've only got a, a few players signed up for next season I think they've brought in the likes of Ian McShane, um, Osman and, and, and McLean on you know, longer deals and, and the rest of them are kind of loan deals and, and out of contract. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, who would actually be still there <laughs> towards you know, the, the next season if, if they do go down. And as you say, you know, it would be uh, a, a, a bit of a blow for Falkirk and it would be hard for the fans to swallow, I think. Okay, uh, time for us to wrap up. We'll be back next Monday after Kilmarnock versus Aberdeen in the race for Europe. But let's leave you with a little poem. Yes. Kieran and, and Anthony are looking at me quite strangely. Have you written this yourself? No, I haven't. This has been sent in to us by Martin Johansson. And it goes like this. From Cali Thistle down to the Queen, the greatest game there has ever been. I thank the Lord that I'm not dead, so I can still watch Peterhead. But one day I will have died, and I will never again watch East Go Bride. <laughs> but by then I'll be in hell, so at least I can still watch Motherwell. <laughs> I wonder if that's a little dig to... Uh... To, to Laura to yeah. Laura yeah who's back off the motherwell <laughs> absolutely love that Martin that is brilliant have a great Easter and we'll speak to you on Monday you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts Spotify Audio Boom and everywhere else you get your audio on demand mm-hmm.